This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Uh, just getting out for a afternoon walk. Let's go see if the three-headed dog is freaking out. Moss, why are you tempting fate? <clears throat> I'm just curious. Just to... Hey, there he is. It's fantastic. He's so thrilled to see me. <laughs> He's like spinning around and... Oh, so happy. It's good to see you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The dog is doing this uh, dance. To me, it seems like a dance. It's going in circles. I kind of remember that that's a sign of, um, that might be a sign of, of uh, something actually uh, wrong. And uh, I just remember seeing uh, dogs that are cooped up that do that. So that's, uh, I hope it's not the case. I hope the dog's happy. I, you know, it's a nice day and everything. I guess it's the limitations of, uh, you know, exi one's existence, right? And, uh, so, well, hopefully it's okay. Topic. What's the topic? I, I just uh, did a check, and I saw this one topic is uh, the snowflake method. And I don't think I've talked about it. I've actually used it. I'm going to mangle it now because my, my mind went off in a kind of slightly different direction. So the basic premise of the snowflake method is rather than linear, what you do is you have the... The story, uh, a summary of the story, the basic premise of the story, and then you start to break it down into uh, smaller and smaller pieces, uh, scenes, right? Until you end up at scenes, and you're you can even break down the scenes into smaller components. Uh, I'd like to sort of explore a different avenue, a different way of doing this by... Oh, that's nice. The wind is blowing and these... The petals are falling. The blossoms. Ah, so let's see. I'd like to suggest a mind map. I think what I want to do is to take it quite... Uh, you know, this non-linear direction. I'd like to take it literal and to actually suggest a story, like a way of doing a story that is non-linear. So say we, we branch off from this original concept and get into um, just brainstorming scenes. You know, that there's no linear connection to them. They're just these experiences. So it would be like, say, uh, having a piece of paper, or it could be uh, done digitally. It would be interesting to do it as a drawing, you know, use a drawing program, and to have at the center, there, there's this basic premise. It could be a log line. So it's giving the main character, the conflict, uh, the stakes, what will happen if they don't, if, if the uh, protagonist is not successful, well, what, what will happen? What's the outcome? What's the reason for going on this quest or adventure? And so... Uh, my interest is, say, just from a creative 
viewpoint, not being constrained by plot and just considering the creation of a whole bunch of scenes that are connected to this. And that I, I've heard of people who use index cards and then they'll move around the scenes to, you know, sort of to find order and structure. And that just baffles me because uh, I will... It seems like when I'm outlining, I just have this linear streak going on. And I pretty much know, okay, the climax is at the end. I have the scene in mind and everything just sort of plops into its place. And I don't really find myself moving around these index cards. The index cards would contain scenes. So you would have your index card and then at the top you would write the scene um, just sort of in summary. I'm picking this up from Sid Field's book, which he's this screenwriting guru. I think he's still around. But that was the first uh, narrative design slash structure book that I picked up. And I still use... Uh, I still use a lot in different ways. I've picked up from different sources. I saw this great, uh, almost like an infographic. This guy on Twitter, he had compiled a lot of different books uh, into, this, into this chart and sort of saying, here's the 3X structure being interpreted by seemed like at least 10 different structuralists. And I, um, I like the idea, but I also was noticing that it hadn't been done in depth. So that was my only critique. It was like, I know, oh, you could go so much deeper. Uh, and his, I think his response was, you know, well, people can look up that stuff online. So I think for him, it was, it was different. You know, he wasn't interested in going deep. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you hear this, uh, you know, I really like what you did. So don't, <laughs> don't think otherwise. I, I liked it. I was just worried that it was just going to stop. You know, it wasn't going to be this full meal deal. Okay. Yeah, I th I think I think part of it too was that it was heading towards uh, sort of monetizing it. Um, but I say I say, you know, take from take all the information and squish it together. You know, don't don't stop. I, and too, I'm not sure. I'm just I'm just rambling about that. I think I saw it uh, last year on Twitter, and I, I hyped it a bit. <clears throat> ah, so, so I, I, I'm thinking what will happen with this mind map, where you have like a bubble in the middle, and then it branches out, and then you have smaller bubbles, like I say, it branches out into another bubble that branches out and branches out. And so what would that look like? And here's an example of my thinking. Right away I go for the, the climax and it's like, okay, there's this battle between the protagonist and the antagonist. This duke out. And where I'm at right now is I'm doing some stuff, writing these articles for the local um, convention. It's sort of a kind of like bio biography, but it's also going a chance to get sort of get a bit deeper into into the uh, 
this person's story. And so I'm imagining that when I finally go to the convention, you know, the, the, the climax will be encountering these people and all of a sudden kind of knowing them, right? That they're not so much strangers, say, and that some of them will have heard of me. I sent an email to one of the old-timers at the Vancouver convention, um, Graham, and he was at the first uh, VCon, and so that was interesting. All of a sudden, you know, I'm asking questions of this uh, <clears throat> this guy. He was 20 years old, I think. I sort of added it up and was like, okay, you know, so what was that like? Uh, with my own VCon experience, I was in my late teens and and two, it was different because Graham stuck with it and he was involved and two, he got in, he's deeply involved in it and it's obviously it's personal and it has meaning for him and maybe that's the direction I'm going in but already though there's a huge difference because at 20, Graham was involved in VCon, whereas I, I didn't. I didn't make that connection. So I'm curious about that. It's like, well, how, how did you get connected? I'm thinking that these articles and interviews would be useful for the uh, podcast. This, uh, this other guy is doing a VCon podcast. And he says that he's really close. And obviously it's much different from what I'm doing, because story in mind is just every day get up and walk and talk, <laughs> hopefully about something. But uh, um, the guy doing the podcast, Russ, sounds like he's very... Uh, he wants to do, you know, editing and have it be, um, oh, you know, something professional. Yeah, let's see. The spring weather is continuing. Clear sky. There are clouds. Uh, yeah, there are clouds. In the, maybe, northeast, maybe? Snowflake method. So the the way the snowflake would method would work is it's supposed to be done is that you would say break it up into parts, right? Say the you know the beginning, the middle, the end. Three act structure. The the middle actually has two halves, so. That's something to keep in mind. But let's work on the, the beginning. So you take, say, the first act, and then you sort of you start to think about the pieces of the first act. You know, well, okay, well, what's supposed to happen in the first act? How many parts are there? The first question, though, you, you would ask is, well, okay, well, what happens? We've got the basic premise for the story. Now what happens in the first part. And so you're looking at that first section. And, um, <clears throat> let's say it's something like uh, Dragon. I think it's called Dragon Slayer. Uh, mo a movie from the 70s. And... From what I remember, there's there's uh, a young actor, 
There's a couple of young actors, male, female. Uh, there's something about sacrificing um, princesses, possibly virgins, to uh, this dragon so that it won't uh, attack this country or village. And <clears throat> there's a spear. Gosh, it would be it'd be good to sort of rewatch this thing because I'm sort of I'm sort of colliding. You know, there's this collision of stories. Feels like um, another movie, Crawl, has is sort of blurred with uh, uh, Dragon Slayer. So that there's this sort of this new movie, <laughs> this collage. But at the at the beginning, it's introducing the characters and uh, introducing the problem that there's a reason to go off and you know confront the bad the bad dude. Eventually, we get down into scenes, uh, and to that's fine. I just I keep thinking back to the non-linear and just how interesting it would be to do something that was completely non-linear that you would have scenes that didn't necessarily have to connect and say that the characters would flow back and forth right so you'd be reusing uh, I guess it would be almost playing with the idea of story I was asked about uh, one one of these hashtag games, uh, sort of a kind of get to know me thing, and I was asked about TV shows, and I thought, well, I'm going to really go for it. I'm going to try to find the weirdest TV shows, since to also see if I've seen them. And I was thinking, my first thought was uh, Twin Peaks. But uh, I went. I went to look at uh, some some other stuff, and there was uh, Mystery Theater three thousand, and which is fun. Then there's some other other shows that I thought I thought were worthy <clears throat> and funny, like the Mighty Boosh, which is comedy, but it's also surreal. And two, it's got music. It's a weird thing because it depends on mood, how these these Twitter activities hit you. You know, if you're in a kind of a a good mood, you know, then you'll go so oh, okay, yeah, all right, I'll I'll list some Hollywood, you know. Um, but other times it'll be no, it has to be art house, you know, or avant-garde or something. <clears throat> so how would this ultra-snowflake method work? I sort of remember... I think, I think her name is... Um, I think it's Susan Clark or Susanna Clark, and she did the book that uh, the BBC adapted, and it was called. It had magic and fairy and Jonathan Strange uh, and Mr. Norrell. I think that was the. I think that was the title. But I, I had read, looking that up, that what she had done is she had written scenes um, non-sequentially. So she didn't say, write the whole thing. But instead she wrote, almost like, say, um, short stories. So she wrote a series of short stories, um, scenes, chapters, and then she did this 
organization thing. I think that's getting kind of... Pre- that is actually pretty close to what I'm talking about. And I love the notion. I love the... This it's sort of a liberty from plot structure. And, you know, you're getting into the plot later, right? Okay, so you have to clean up everything later. And it really depends on, on who you are. I don't even know if she could do this technique um, again. I'm just thinking of this work of progress that has been kind of haunting me. And I was trying it out with this sort of mishmash character of three different influences and I sort of sat back and went you know I'm really not feeling it I you know I don't uh, I'm feeling bored and I, I don't feel it's not fun and it's not uh, it's not fun I'm not interested that's important because uh, you've got to have that the interest you know, to keep you going. There's got to be, you know, if if you're doing sort of a nostalgia response, an homage, that you have that, you know, the memories of your golden age, right? You're sort of, you're responding and you, you want to make something, you know, of equal or, or greater value. And so that's one example, but, you, you know, you could be responding to sort of a, a different vibe and it's got to have your uh, interest and passion so I'm, I'm so I'm thinking about this um, work in progress and thinking well maybe this snowflake method where you know sort of you know but writing writing scenes chapters out of um, out of sync out of context uh, you know say you have you have the main character but uh, you're not really paying attention to the arc at that at that moment and then later on you're stitching it all together to to find out and I have noticed some people online uh, who do this and I, I haven't seriously gone that route I was watching an interview with music meister Sting and he was talking about every song being a different kind of creature uh, that you've, you've got to approach it differently you've got to trap it differently you know, or hunt it you know, each, each time it's for him it's a different thing and sort of thinking of it and going, well, yes, yes and no. It's a, it's a bit different because, uh, you know, you're in the realm of music and, you know, so there, there is a difference. Lyricism, the lyrical... There are stories within songs, but it's a different medium. Anyways, yeah, I, I quite like the notion. And the work in progress I'm talking about, it does have the potential to be a dream story. A long time ago, episodes ago, in last year land, I think I did talk about dream punk. I know I was talking about steampunk, uh, and this project that I've got that I'm sort of pondering about, it is... It is set within dreams, 
or a dream. And I have a slight connection to some genre terminology. Uh, dream punk. And I've, I've talked about the genre steampunk and just sort of say the origins, you know, where it definitely was connected to punk. And now it is just a... It has lost that. You know, it's less about punk, punk rock, and, you know, the music. Um, you know, this anarchic energy... Uh, but also there's this kind of, you know, violence and there's this response, which it has this energy, but at the same time, it is a, I guess too, it's sort of like a, the contrast, the compare and contrast. And there's a, there's a threat it's interesting, though, because it's sort of like, well, yes, but it's, it's musical, right? And it's, it's probably an ongoing threat. I, I'm just thinking back and going, yeah, you know, even Elvis Presley was a threat, you know, or growing your hair long, you know, it was a threat. That, you know, music would have associations. You would have the, the clean-cut music, you know, and then you would have the, um, the music that was on the other side of the tracks, right, in the, the part of town that you weren't supposed to go to. Or the people who are making the music are diabolical, but the music is, you know, wonderful and fun and beautiful. I remember for a short while, it was just a year, being part of a garage band in the 90s. And it was chaos. And it was sort of, say, attempting to make something in the chaos. Uh, one of the guys I was playing music with, his childhood friend, and he was, he was the most knowledgeable, he was knowledgeable. I could argue that, you know, well, I was the wordsmith. I was quite into poetry, really bad poetry. <laughs> and, uh, but I had, I, I, I know that at that time I did have a lyrical ear, that I was very interested in uh, the how to do the word part of it. And too, I would go on to study that. Just thinking about my own project, say how I would do this is, is to allow uh, what I do when I'm writing. Uh, the system I have, the process is that I have uh, a document that is uh, that has the chapters laid out uh, in a, a screenplay structure style with these three acts. The second act is divided in half. And then these smaller sort of containers. So how I would approach it is I would sort of jump forward, um, maybe pick a place, or, or possibly just begin to write these scenes and not really... Uh, maybe just dump them in a folder and not really sort of uh, think about the order that they're happening in. There's something pleasing uh, as far as, like, say, dreams, because, say, dreams, in one way, dreams seem very disorganized, and yet in another way, they have the potential to be, to be profound and personal and have meaning.
<clears throat> uh, problems. It's experimental, and I don't know exactly. It, there would be a lot of going on faith and trusting that I was going to be writing scenes that were relevant. Um, it might lead to something else. I might uh, write something that was a stepping stone to, to a, a, a scene that mattered, say. But ultimately I would have to go through these scenes and cut and you know, just decide whether or not they had uh, any purpose, uh, yeah, to the story. Another thing I had experience with doing a, uh, I did a manuscript in Deep Third, which is sort of, say, um, really sticking close to the main character. But when I went through it again, second draft, I began to uh, alternate. So we, were, we still followed the main character, but the, it, you know, every scene it seemed like we would be bouncing back and forth between the main character and whoever else was in the scene. And I quite liked it because it, it gave, it gave characters depth, and but also uh, perspective. All of a sudden, we were looking in, in a different way at the main character, and I quite, yeah, I quite like that because all of a sudden it became uh, the main character became more complex, and instead of just the subjective, we all of a sudden were outside and looking at the main character and uh, from all these different angles. <clears throat> that project was put aside and I returned to, I've returned to it uh, in um, writing a series and yeah, I plan to get back to that original manuscript <laughs> one of these days. Another Canadian writer is quite keen on not leaving any manuscripts behind. He just published Small Press and it was very cool to see him. He was just like overflowing with, uh, you know, peace, love, and Gratitude. So yeah, that was that was that was quite neat. Interesting, too, because uh, I'm thinking about this non-linear, uh, writing non-linear, and that I'm pretty sure that I'm known as, as a linear thinker, right? Or that, say, I'm considering narrative design, you know, and approaching it from a very um, structured uh, perspective, so it's it's refreshing to be thinking about this and and the possibilities it kind of is there it's kind of uh present in uh role playing games i'm thinking especially online games or video games that that you could have stories, like say, it's almost a choose-your-own-adventure. Uh, it is mapped out, however. 
but it just it feels it always feels like there's more of a random element uh, involved. It'd be cool if it was something like you know you couldn't you couldn't sort of play through a certain um, storyline unless you had um, solved a different storyline. It's kind of like a, a build-up, a bit of a puzzle within the the grand puzzle. That you know there, there's an, a a particular order to to the play. How do you play? I have thought about writing for uh, video games, and that sort of is connected to you know it's like oh can I write for television? No, <laughs> I can't write for film. I can't write for television, or at least sort of like the opportunity is not there. And let's just check the time. Yeah, so let's go down to the other street. Uh, so making opportunities um, I have I have done a proposal I was asked once to do a proposal by sort of friends of a friend and I'm not sure where that went and I thought it was pretty cool. I think I think that's what it is, though, is that you say you have to come up with a kind of an example of a product or something, or, or maybe work your way up, like approach a a smaller um, company, and then you get into the. Uh, uh, slowly work your way up to a, a larger company. Maybe. Um, actually, I do know somebody locally who's connected to a um, the handheld, the uh, smartphone slash cell phone. And so that's, you know, that's somebody who's, you know, managed to get into the, uh, to, into the industry, that industry. So what would my snowflake method look like? I have different premises for this project. Sometimes I think of it, like say I have, um, it'll sort of drift over into one project and then drift over to another project. And there's a bit of a process pollinization that goes on and um, the project I'm thinking of right now is uh, part of it is influenced by Rillier which is this sunken island city that uh, appears in the writing of H.P. Lovecraft and many writers and artists have returned to it and different ways and recently I was thinking of for a while I, 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 I was thinking it's like oh hey it'd be interesting to to do this for a role-playing game called Call of Cthulhu and one of their modules their adventures did go eventually it went but I kept thinking oh it'd be cool if we actually you know, spent all of our time there. And why isn't there a video game where you just spend, you know, all of the video game is at really a... <laughs> I, think I, I think I might have to do it. But the other, the other part of this is that I... There's a, con a constraint to it. And so doing that particular project 
you would have to sort of say play by the rules and you know stay as closely as you can to the source and then say maybe go off and do stuff uh but it's in a way it's kind of one note you don't say if you know anything about lovecraft it's uh and two it's fine you know scary um I think, yeah, one description is cosmic horror. And the only problem is is that if you have cosmic horror the whole time, that's no good. Hello! There's a little snowy dog. He's uh, blissed out. Yeah, there's, uh, we're moving into weather where you can actually get out and do stuff. Which is not entirely true. Vancouver is warmer. Uh, I'd like to say brighter. That said, though, I have this... In my bones, I know that we're in for more grey days. Rain is on the way. Exercise-wise, this is a good day. I've, I've, I was out in the morning, and now I'm out in the afternoon. For so this will be two hours of using my legs. Ah, uh, just to sort of finish up with the the project I'm thinking of. The other thing is that this might never happen, so it is interesting to talk about it to a captive audience. (laughs) Uh, The basic premise would be that the city is the mind, uh, but it is a, a dreamt city, and so going to the different parts of the city are different parts of the mind, and that, yes, there's terrifying stuff going on in the city, but there's also amazing, awesome stuff. So that's a setting, but it doesn't really doesn't really help me sort of character-wise. And I, I was hoping to put the hoping to put my kind of nature-loving, perhaps personification of nature character into this uh, setting. Someone's gung-ho with their lawnmower. So yeah, I I don't know if anything will come of this um, project, but it's it's definitely influencing other ideas. So it, you know, can end up being part of my um, fantasy world. Um, Could be standalone. Having a character with depth that's the that's the thing that is going to make make or break a story and yeah yeah that's something i don't have i don't know really the backstory i don't know who this is um that doesn't have to stop it from happening like say this could be just a project that i'm working on for myself Right, that it's just for me, and it'll just sit on a shelf. <clears throat> it's got to, it's got to do what a uh, story does. But again, uh, non-sequentially, you know, does it? Could it be, sort of, say, more artistic? Um, and yet, say during editing sort of figuring out the arc of the story. Yeah.
one of uh, one of my interests that's kind of connected to dreams is uh, the metaverse, and so we would get uh, we would get references to this almost like say a, that you know the the world is this virtual creation, and that 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 is the dream. So, sir, we are living the dream. Ha, ha, ha. I think it would be great for people who... This non-sequential writing... I think it would be great for people who... write when they're inspired. And that you weren't forced to write, you know, the next scene. <clears throat> yes and no. It's important to, like, say, if it really depends on what the purpose of the work is. You know, if, if you're sitting there going, okay, it's making money, you're, sh- you know, you're showing up for work, you're doing it as drafts, uh, you are applying... Um, kind of like a plan, a business plan. Or, no, that's not quite right. So you sit down to write this scene. Ah, it's so interesting because. And two, I know why you would, you know, put it out there and why you would want people to buy it and why you would be destroyed when, you know, a few people bought it and there was just heavy criticism. And, but there is this difference between, um, you know, writing for oneself and then writing for others that, that I harp on about. I think it's, I, th- I think it has to do with sort of say defining it and sort of when you're saying what it is and saying you know okay this is you know this is not a typical novel and that you know it's avant-garde um, it's it's a dreamlike state it's less story more dream yeah I don't think I actually finished talking about um, the dream punk thing. That when I heard dream punk, I went, oh, awesome. Right? I had this kind of... I was thinking, oh, right, 1970s, right? You know, and then Sex Pistols going into hardcore and, you know, all these wonderful branches... But sort of, sort of sitting down and looking at it, and there was this one sort of uh, attempt to make it like this umbrella term that dream punk was fantasy in total, and I was sort of going, well, not dream punk, dream punk. And I was imagining the person who was sitting down and typing this, saying it was the whole, you know, it was the whole genre. And sort of say, where, where that falls apart and where that doesn't work. And I'd mentioned punk and sort of the initial, uh, where we get into... Um, cyberpunk that there's this punk aesthetic and that that aesthetic washes over into steampunk but is also diluted like say there's what is called steampunk which is has nothing to do with punk you know it's just connected to steam it's sort of a catch-all genre So I was approaching 
the dream punk from from a hopeful kind of vantage that is like, oh, okay, are we going to be talking about punk, right? Are we going to be talking about uh, a punk aesthetic in stories that are dreams? Um, I think, too, that you could tie in stories, you know, Neil Gaiman, you know, that there's this punk influence to his and others, and, and yet not. You know, he's got lots lots of stories that are not. But I, I, I think it was the catch-all, like saying all fantasy is dream punk. And I was like, ah, that's a bit grandiose. That's a bit, a bit too much. How so? Systems, systems of magic... Um, say, you know, if it's a catch-all, then you have, uh, you're including within it all of the genres which are, say, on the fringe. These sub-genres. And there's already a term, and it's called fantasy, right? Fantasy is this, is the catch-all, and it is used by, you know, everybody. It's just, it's just too much to ask. And it's too much to ask. It's too, it's too far, right? I suppose you could say, well, it's better, to, it's better to go all the way, you know, and then pull back. So... Yeah, so we shall see. I'm just I'm just seeing your neighbor who's cleaning out the Hey, 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 hey. I'm doing my podcast. So what's what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about storytelling? Hmm. Grand narratives of fantasy. Grand narratives of fantasy. Thank you very much, neighbor. Okay, take care. See you Keep soon. up the good work. Yes. Uh, so, grand narratives. Let's see. Where was I? Uh, yeah, so... Dream punk. Mm, yeah. And I was, I was quite ho- hopeful... This other Canadian writer has termed their stuff uh, dream punk, or is like, you know, say, using this, and actually referenced me and said, sort of say that I was, I was on board with this, and I'd actually seen his, um, I'd seen a rough draft, and it was, it was interesting because it, that he was looking for the voice and the tone and so I went through, and uh, it was interesting, his comment, because he said I had uh, kicked his ass. And so I was sort of like, oh, well, that's interesting. I think it has, you know, the critiquing, I think that's what it was. And it was this sort of, you know, the workshopping, the online workshopping. And so I'd given this feedback and just, you know, went on with life. And then I heard back about this. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And I think one of, one of my critiques was uh, Damsel in Distress. And I was like, well, this is, you know, got to watch out. You know, you don't want to make it, uh, you don't want to make it kind of cliche and, you know, trope. Um, I, f- I found myself oddly lumped into this too because that the main character is uh, has a PTSD is a soldier and so I was I was like oh okay all right you know I'm not a soldier I have PTSD so I was this kind of changed things I, I don't remember looking at it you know in the same way and suddenly I was 
I was I was faced with this. Uh, <laughs> yes. Wonder if he, I'll just give him a wave, see if he runs in a circle. Uh, my neighbors are probably questioning my <laughs> my behavior. Um, but whatever. So I've got I've got five minutes. We are at the gates of paradise. Which side of paradise are we on? Are we on the inside or the outside? Uh, right. So. So we started off talking about snowflake method, and then we ended up talking about dream punk. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's see. Dream punk. I think that dream punk could become, could gain, uh, gain identity if the literary sort of part of it was uh, considered. Like I said, you know, the aesthetic, etc and not sort of, oh, well, we can write whatever we want. Um, but then, too, you just have to look at st steampunk and how that has been, uh, I want to say retrofitted, but that, you know, so many different stories are being done all the time. And, say, the fandom is, you know, you can, you know, have a pair of goggles Right, and that you know, that's that's your in. You're part of the club. Um, I know that sounds a bit sort of, you know, that's not that's not enough. But that's from an outsider's perspective, you know. And I'm not writing. It's weird. I, in a way, I do have a bit of steampunk, but I, I'm not. Um, it'd be interesting to get lumped when I eventually do write full on. You know, say, you know, and here's my steampunk story. Uh, but that's something to consider. It's like, would I, you know, would I do that aesthetic? Or say, what I'm, the project that I'm talking about with Dream Punk, right? Say that, to consider the, anar the anarchic uh, aspect of, you know, the, of the punk aesthetic. And the, the story I was just mentioning, right? Say, the... Uh, There's there's definite elements that that sort of like say that I would have to look at and I would have to go oh okay well what is what what is the punk in this or is it just dream right you know what's what is the intention behind um, behind it I almost felt like there was a sort of like core group and. At one point, I thought, you know, is you know, am I getting invited to this? And then um, at the same at the same time, like I mentioned, my my reticence, right? It's like uh, it's like ah, uh, it's like uh, I'm not feeling it. I, you know, if if there had been, say, a, you know, a manifesto that I could get on board with that didn't have this, you know, like I said, the whole the whole fantasy genre is is dream punk waiting to happen and I was like you know mm, uh, you know I, I don't feel it you know and I'm I'm a fantasy guy and I just you know who knows maybe it's sort of the the hope of, of the forefront the thing is though is that there's got to be legitimately great stuff happening you know, there has to be, um, like that vanguard, those, those writers that are attracted to it, 
you know. And so you've got to produce something that just gets people going. It's like, whoa, you know, I, I totally want to write that. You know, I, I, I feel that. I, I, it, it's resonating with me. Uh, there is a difference as well with, you know, right, you know, the professional versus the amateur, right? And what the professional is, is going to do in order to make that happen. What do I mean by that? You know, the, the person that goes to the library, puts in the hours, you know, takes out the books, um, really considers how to do the thing. I see. I, I do see those people. I see a lot of people. There's a, a convention, a convention locally, um, Creative Inc. And it's so good. They have a special thing set up for, like, if you don't have a lot of money, that actually, you know, other writers pitch in. So that say, you know, um, you know, a writer, you know, uh, that's living in poverty can go, and. You know, I you know I thought that's heart, right? That's that's the the core of a community, um, kindness. That's awesome. Uh, and to I know I know people who are going there and who want to improve and get better, and and to me that's that's the vanguard, right? That's you know the people who are who want to improve uh, their craft. Okay. I'm done. Thank you for listening.